Hello, friends, and welcome to episode two of the Big Black Bear podcast. I'm joined uh, for this episode, and this is where I'm going to feel really dumb because I've got an expert with me. <laughs> uh, please welcome uh, psychotherapist Charlotte White. Hello, Charlotte. Thank you for joining me. Hello. Great to see you. It's um, first of all, because people, well, well, I'm sure we'll talk about loads of different things, but what exactly does a psychotherapist do? Oh, gosh. Well, we've started off with a biggie there. Yeah. Um, if you could really dumb it down for me, you know, I mean, yeah, just what is it? What what do you do? What sort kind of things do you do? You know what? I would just say it's it could be many things to many people, but I guess the hope is that it's a space to get some support to feel better. That's really the aim. And sometimes you feel worse and then better so it's not always an upward trajectory to feel better that's an important thing to mention if anyone's listening who's thinking about trying it right um, I think also to just live fully as a human being with everything that involves and that can require some help from someone can't it at times because life is not an easy thing um, it's yeah. not it's not and I was saying to you before we pressed record that I'm sort of in the and I'm in the middle of the dip of uh, of the big black bear coming up and putting his big nasty paws on my shoulders, and I know, and in from previous experience, I know that it bottoms out at a certain point, and you know that that's that's it. I've hit the bottom now, and so it's going to start getting better. And um, yesterday, I've had issues with my kidney. It feels like a, I'm at the doctors now. I'm telling you everything, but I've I've had issues with my kidney, um, my right kidney, for a few years, and that flared up yesterday. And as much as it was a it was painful and I had a day where I just didn't do anything. I kind of thought to myself, is this it? Is this where the, where it's bottomed out? Is it only going to get better from now? Is, is in your experience, is that how people tend to look at it? Or do sometimes is that that dark tunnel just continuously going? Well, it's really difficult to answer that in some ways because it's different for different people. And for some people, their depression might be, a prolonged low period of kind of hopelessness and just thinking what's the point when's it going to get better do I believe it's going to get better mm. you know all the other things that go along with that feeling unmotivated but hopelessness really I think that's the one that kind of sticks out to me um and for other people it can be different things can't it their lowness might be a period of bad sleep or you know an afternoon where it sort of descends and you think gosh you kind of get quite philosophical and think what am I doing am I mm. happy is this the life I want to live mm. and those questions kind of filter in so I think it like like most of my answers are probably going to be today it's going to be like it's different for different people um and now I can't even remember what you asked me <laughs> well the thing the thing I was going to say is in your job is your job to try and work out whether this is just a temporary little thing or it is one of those long paths that you just spoke about? Well, another great question. I mean, it, it depends what people are coming for, isn't it? Some people want to look back on their history and go, why, why is it like this for me? Why do I have it? And often people will say, I don't know why. I had a great childhood. I had a great growing up. There's no big things in my past. And yet I still hit these lows. Yeah. And sometimes it's true, there isn't any one particular thing that has happened that's led to feeling this way. And, you know, sometimes there is and stuff comes up and you think, oh, actually, that was, I did have a difficult relationship with that person or 
I thought I wasn't really bothered by what went on when I was at university, but actually it has really bothered me and it still sticks with me. And actually there's stuff going on in my life that reminds me now of that time that's kind of re-triggering it. Mm. So I I kind of don't want to go down too far down the road of trauma because I think trauma might be a kind of a chapter in and of itself. Um, So some people want answers. Some people want some strategies to just be like I just want to feel okay so I can focus on the things that are important to me so that's the thing isn't it some people might want to come for years and talk about the past some people don't want to do that they want to think about now they want to think about their relationship now which of course will have some links to the past yeah um most people come I was thinking actually do people come in the in the dip that's kind of got me thinking now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm only going from my personal sort of point of view. I mean, I've, I've never got to the point where I think I'm going to harm myself. But there, there always seems to be a moment where I feel like I've hit the bottom of where I am at that particular moment in that particular depression. It feels like it's always an arc. I, and and th- for this particular one that I'm in now, it was weird because I was... I've. I, I walk before I go to work every day and I was walking past the canal where I, where I walk and it, it was just something just hit me and I just started crying for no, there was no reason. There was no, no link or trigger. There was nothing. And I, and then I thought to myself, Oh, here we go again. It had been a long, long time when I felt like that before. And then from that moment, but then there was even two or three days after that, there were moments where I'm thinking to myself, am I putting this on? Am I, this is weird. I feel like I'm, I'm doing this for the sake of doing this rather than actually feeling depressed. And then I thought to myself, or is that the depression making me feel like that? So it started to mess my brain up a bit even more because I was thinking to myself, right, am I just looking for attention here? Is what, what, what and then you start looking, you start trying to work out why you're feeling like this. And I don't think I've got the mental capacity or the brain power to to work that out because it's funny you just said that some people will have like a wonderful childhood and no trauma in their and I was like that. I had a, I had a wonderful childhood. My mum and dad loved me. I was very lucky that I grew up and never had the kind of trauma that I've spoken to people about. You know, it's ne- I've never had that. So trying to work out where that particular crux comes from in how I feel um I don't know it I mean that's probably you know a 10-week session that I might have to do, <laughs> do with you, do you know what? there's so many answers to that but there's two that I was thinking about when I was thinking about talking to you and one of them was how and now this is something that people might really hate so I'm going to put that out there that that there might be a negative reaction to this we're not very good at tuning into our feelings. That's a big thing for people when they come into therapy. So whenever we say something came out of the blue, I'm like, it's really rare that stuff actually does come out of the blue. Because mm. we're not very good noticers. And I mean on like a on a micro, micro, micro level. Everything with such sensitive creatures on this earth. And things really stay with us and tiny things have an impact. So say for example, someone has a name that is the same as a name of somebody that something happened with for me years ago. I don't not necessarily check that that's had an Im- impact on me because I've got a busy life. I don't sit there and go, oh, I remember that that happened that time. That was weird, wasn't it? That will have an impact on me. Like everything that happens when I get on the bus, the way the driver talks to me, the driver looks like someone I used to know. I don't really clock it. It's not really that important to me in that moment. Or, 
you know, I didn't sleep very well or someone said something to me and it bothered me. All of it is filtering in and filtering in and filtering in. And if I don't stop and go, oh, that really happened or like check in with myself all the time about stuff that's going on and the way that it makes me feel, it will kind of accumulate because we all want to be listened to somewhere inside of us. Mm. And if I don't listen and check in and go, what's it like for me? How do I feel? Is that impacting me? I'm curious and interested in myself. If I'm not, it reaches a peak where it's like, now you're depressed because you, you're just too fill up of stuff and there's not enough listening to what's really happening and sorting through that. That's why we sleep at nights, for our brains to filter all of the massive moments of our day into the right order. And that's why insomnia has such a huge impact because we're carrying all of the stuff that goes on. So I'm curious to know how that's landed with you and how you're feeling about me saying that in the first place. It makes a lot of sense because the one thing that I've found, and I don't know whether it's um, I'm a narcissist or anything like that, but I always have that feeling that even if I'm on the top of my game and I'm really happy, if I see two people in the street talking to each other, I automatically think to myself, what are they saying about me? Why Why are they talking about me? Or, or even if I'm at work and I see two people over the other side of the uh, the warehouse and, and, and they're just talking, obviously, about something that's nothing to do with me. The first thing I would think of is, they're, they're, why are they talking about me? What, are they, what have I done wrong? Or I'll check my face that there isn't a, like a bogey on my nose. Or do you know what I mean? It's just something in my head that, and I know, and I, but I don't know, see, that's, and that, when I say that out loud, that to me sounds like you just you just think that everybody is worried about you and they're not. You know, they've all got their own worries and they've all got their own things that they need to sort out in their life. That the last thing they're going to worry about is somebody that they work with. Now, I will say I'm very, very lucky and I've got a couple of people that I work with and we all kind of look out for each other because we've all had uh, mental health issues and we can all tell when someone isn't quite right. And we'll just make sure that they know that we're there and if, you know, and and it's it's a beautiful thing. But I, I do sometimes try and think and go back to where this, where it would come from, where these feelings, I have, I'm, I'm a terrible person for just crying for no particular reason, even when I'm happy. There might be something, I'll be talking about a song, not necessarily hearing a song and I can feel myself getting emotional about it and I'm thinking oh god it's so I don't know if it's a sign of weakness I I don't but it does tend to be something that pisses me off a little bit in the fact I can't talk to somebody about the most inane things without a, a layer of me getting emotional about it that can't be healthy oh I don't know I'm thinking your emotions seem feel quite at the surface for you then is that what you mean? yes without a shadow of a doubt yeah I can get emotional about a lot of things and it's not I don't think it's a it's genuine emotion, whether it's happy or sad. And again, some of them could be linked to my childhood. I mean, as you can see by my background, I'm a massive Star Wars fan. So if I start looking at anything that's that will then take me back to when I was eight years old when Star Wars came out, that feeling that I get just to hear the first duh of the Star Wars theme, I, it transports me back to when I was eight, nine years old. That's the kind of thing that I think. I'm obviously holding on to something from my childhood from that, but I can't think of anything bad. I mean, it's, it's only ever good stuff. Yeah. And also I think 
I think don't put expectations on yourself to find you know we all want the big headlines all the time don't we yeah yeah. what we want everyone in therapy wants the big headline and really what we should be looking for is the tiny 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 all the time you know that's really the message I'm trying to kind of send to you because I mean firstly it's not wrong to be feeling a lot so that's a message that maybe it would be worth kind of thinking about you know it for me I'm thinking wow your feelings are like really around you know as a therapist is something really there's a lot to kind of work with around that isn't there to really share that with someone and really kind of be with your feelings and be really open with your feelings and know them and kind of think this is how I really feel authentically that's a big part of therapy it's it's the opportunity to really be authentic with another person who will be there with you together you know not lonely and alone but an opportunity to do that so I think that's a lovely thing in therapy when that happens but obviously we all have our own kind of big things big things I don't like about myself our big topics you know and what I hear there is I'm a really sensitive person and I really don't like that about myself and I'm like (laughs) right okay those are two voices then to kind of get to grips with isn't it and try to to build some kind of relationship with so do you think there's judgment there for you are you a judger um well no I I mean I think I'm always somebody that feels that they're being judged all the time um you know taking point the two people that are talking about something else and I'm thinking they're talking about me or um there'll be times when uh me and my wife are talking about things and and I'll get upset because it feels like she's being um like she's accusing me of something and she'll go no I'm just talking to you and and then when I, I play back what we've been talking about I think yeah I've been oversensitive and I think that's the trouble it's it's nice to have feelings and to show the feelings but I think for me personally I think I'm in on the spectrum of it all I'm too far emotional where I would like to be I'd like to rein it back a little bit and um I think things like you know having kids and having grandkids and worrying about them every day hoping that they're okay and hoping that it's one it's one reason why um I used to not be able to sleep very well I just that was just one thing I couldn't do because every time I closed my eyes I pictured my grandkids like walking along the edge of a cliff and they're gonna they're gonna fall or something bad is gonna happen so I ended up having to get some headphones like and and listen to things while I'm going to sleep so it distracts the brain I suppose that might be what it is so it's all those kind of things it's it's worrying about everything and not being able to switch that tap off sometimes um and again to me saying that out loud it sounds that's a very unhealthy thing as much as it's nice being caring to people especially the people that you love I don't know whether that's going a little bit too far the other way well, do you know what? There's so many, and I know we're not, this isn't a therapy session. No. <laughs> You're going to charge me for this after this. <laughs> My therapist brain is like firing off in all directions. I can know, imagine. I've I can imagine. To do. But, you know, I want to pick up on a few things from that that I think other people are going to really chime with in what you've said. One of them is the thing about worrying about what other people are thinking about you. For me, there's, there's a couple of really interesting things about that that I want to share. One is that they, um, a thing about having a strong critic. Okay, so there's a thing called IFS, Internal Family Systems, that really talks about how there's different parts of us that that come in at different moments. And quite often one of those parts might be um, a strong critical voice. 
So we kind of live with that critic. And some people, we live with them all the time. We don't even really think that they're there. We just think, those are just my thoughts. That's how I think. That's me. I'm hard on myself. I have high expectations of myself. I, I care about people's feelings. I don't want to upset people. I don't want to get things wrong. I don't want to get into trouble sometimes. Mm. And I lived with a very strong kind of critical voice, you know, for a lot of my life. And then I sort of realised that if I was going to, if the two of us were going to be living together, I'd rather we live together and got along all right. So I thought, okay, well, I have this strong critical voice. That's a part of me. That's normal. Everybody has that. If I just step back and kind of, and just look at that as if it isn't me, I'm not that person. (laughs) I have the capacity to be that person and that person will arrive at certain moments in my life and kind of take over. But that it's not wrong to have it basically is what I'm saying. Mm. So if I allow it to just be my continuous train of thought, unaware this is where awareness is such a big thing in therapy isn't it because I didn't even think about it until I was like oh there's this person who chats in the background all day long giving me a really hard time maybe I just don't really want that radio on all the time yeah so say for example I've had an argument with someone and I'm upset so this chitter you're like why did you say that why didn't you do that you're you know and being a therapist a thousand times worse you're a therapist why didn't you be nice or whatever whatever it is empathetic and understanding mm. and then I go all right okay that voice has sort of had the platform of my thinking for like two hours I've heard it I know what it's got to say I've listened I understand it's just there to try and get me to do the right thing it's probably linked to my values in some way I can kind of let that go now. We don't have to kind of live with the radio on. I can have another thought. That's okay. So there's something about building the separation between thoughts are not you. That's a really important one. We all have different voices. That's okay. I'm going to live with that voice. It's never going to go away. I don't want it to go away. Sometimes it's important to have it and that's okay. But I I get to be the one in charge of how much airtime all of those things have. So say your lovely example about people in the, in the cafe talking about me. It's like, ah, oh, I've just had a thought those people are talking about me. You know, that's my critic coming up and being a bit kind of concerned about what I'm, I may or may not have on my face. You know, that's okay. Mm. Serving a function of making sure that I'm, you know, some kind of self-consciousness is all right but I've had that thought now I don't need to kind of continue on the road of worrying about it all afternoon you know and then there's a little bit of space and then in that space you might develop the skills to put a few other nicer things in there hopefully like self-compassion one that that people are generally not very good at particularly if you have a strong critic and go hey I'm standing back from that thought now it's really hard for me when I get in a position where I think people are talking about me, that's really stressful and difficult. And if someone came to me and said that, I would be like, that is horrible for you. You just want to be sat having a coffee in a nice time. And now you're stressed, your blood pressure's going up, your heart rate's going up. What a, what a crap thing to be happening, right? Yeah. So in the little gap, there's a few therapeutic things you try and kind of build in and that's my answer to that yeah yeah i mean i was going to say how how healthy as much as i keep saying like the things that i'm thinking about are not particularly healthy being too emotional um to you know, worrying about everything too much um i was talking to uh, a comedian on our first episode keris nelms and we were both saying about the fact because i do a bit of singing as well i do a bit of singing in pubs and clubs and when and especially when was it 
last Saturday uh, was the first one I had to do where, and it's the, the closest I've had um, sitting in the living room with my, my wife before I went to having a panic attack. I'd never had a panic attack before, but I really didn't want to go because I wasn't feeling it. But I knew once I started singing and I call it the happy mask, the happy mask comes on and you're not who you are. You're this character, you're, you know, the singer or the podcaster because you have to be, how you doing? You okay? Yeah, come on. You know, you have to be super confident. How how healthy is that to put that mask on? Because I knew when I came back from that particular bit of singing, the dip was going to be extra low because it, it naturally is. Even if you're singing to just 20 people in a pub, if it gets a really great night, you leave there feeling like you're, you know, the greatest thing ever because you had people shouting your name, telling, the, telling them, telling you that they love you and you're great. And then you go home and you're sat on your own. And I will admit that's, that's when my drug is food. So uh, that is when I have my worst because start the dip starts happening, the adrenaline starts subsiding, and all of a sudden, I'm just eating bowls of cereal or pieces of toast at like one o'clock in the morning. How healthy is it to keep putting that happy mask on? I love that question, and I really thought about that because I listened to your first episode. Oh right, okay, which was really interesting and very open and. It was more open than I thought it was going to be. Bless her, yeah. Keris. I've known Keris for years and it yeah. was heartbreaking, genuinely was. Yeah, but how honest and how helpful to other people. So mm. there's other people out there who feel the same. That's the nice thing about podcasting, isn't it? It's Absolutely. Real connections. Like, yeah, I thought that. Absolutely. Um, you know, I don't work masses with performers, so you probably find a much more educated helpful person to answer that so I'll just go from my own experience with that caveat in mind a lot of the therapy I trained in because I'm person-centered so I'm very into kind of Carl Rogers any any therapist listening to this will kind of know what I'm talking about but his big thing was where does anxiety come from it comes from incongruence and in his thinking it was I have an authentic me in here and I have a face I show the world yeah and the more in sync my two bits are, the less anxious I'll be, the more congruent I'll be. He always talks a lot about congruence, that like living in sync with your real authentic self. So a lot of unhappiness in life comes about when we aren't doing that. We're doing things that don't fit with our values, that we're not doing the job that really inspires us. We're in a relationship where we can't really be totally honest with our partner. And and of course, our anxiety just grows and grows and grows. So we're out living out of sync with your inner person that's not to say that we don't all have to just just go in like I was saying earlier about the parts there mm. might be a part that takes over that's like the performer part that will get you on stage and get you through what you've got to do and there's nothing wrong with that again it comes back to this non-judging attitude if I judge that and go that's wrong I do that and I you know I put on a mask I shouldn't put on a mask I'm like hey hold back on the judgment we all have to step into roles in our lives that maybe are a little bit out of sync with how we feel in that particular moment but the closer we get to the living in sync in whatever form that might look like in your life at other moments in your day where you can just this is really me this is who I am and the more like I know I'm going on and on about kind of love and acceptance but that's only because I think it is genuinely important yeah love that I love the person who got on stage and did their best 
they did the best they could that day, right? I love the person who sat and ate 10 bowls of cereal. It was the best <laughs> I could do that day. It was my strategy. I relied on my strategy. Maybe in therapy, I'll develop loads of other strategies that are more kind of healthy. Maybe I won't. That's okay. It's not about, it's not about going. I think the temptation can be to feel like we're doing everything wrong all the time. Mm. And trying to, a lot of anxiety is about trying to stave off, you know, if you think of anxiety from another point of view, trying to stave off the future problem, the future disappointment, the future, oh God, you know, that kind of thing. And that's when the panic can really build. Yeah. Living in an imagined future that has gone wrong loads of the time. You know, mm. what if this happens? What if that happens? I'm not here now in the moment tuning into oh I'm sat doing a podcast sitting in my chair in my yellow room I'm over there going catastrophizing you know and who wouldn't start to panic you know again if someone was saying that to me over and over I'm not going to sit calmly in my chair and feel ready to do a great day's work I'm going to be feeling really tense you know it's it's logic isn't it when we think about it like that yeah how, how much of an answer is that for you? Barbara? I mean, that's it's great. I was I was thinking that it's, it's weird because you say about these two people, you want them to be in sync. I would love to be that person. I would love to be the person that gets up and sings, you know, and, and as much as everybody that is outside of my family bubble, that's who they think I am. That they, you know, I, that Pav, he's the guy that gets up and sings. He's a great laugh. And I would love to be, that person the one thing that is i find upsetting is that the people that i love the most this is where i'll get emotional these are the people that i love the most um, that are the closest to me are the ones that get the crappy end of the stick you know they're the ones that get the moody me they're the ones that, that the 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 public if you like whatever whatever that means they see the best of me they see they see the the the, the person that i would love to be but when i'm at home and you know, and, and it is just normal everyday stuff. It's it's my wife or my kids will be the ones that will see the moody me and the the not so fun and happy and jolly me. And and that's kind of a bit that breaks my heart a little bit is that I want to be, I think you couldn't physically be that person all the time. It would just be too tiring and too just mentally and physically exhausting. But I think that's the thing that it's, it's a double-edged sword because it's wonderful to be that person every so often. It's great. But I feel like I need to work more on being the who I am normally. Just, I mean, look, nobody's perfect. I've always said that nobody is perfect. So everybody has their foibles and stuff. But that's that's just one of the things that makes me just a little bit upset in the fact that I can't be that person all the time. Oh, gosh, yeah. And I hear you. I really hear that. And I hear the wish to really be that for the people around you who you care about because you want them to get you want them to have a great experience with you don't you that's, yeah that's really loving that comes from a very loving place in you I hear um uh, but I kind of think there's some, there's something of a flavor of you know there's sort of another thought that I kind of w- want to drop in in terms of the the getting better with our feelings theme because I think we push ourselves to try to be something a lot it's a lot of pressure to live under that, isn't there? Mm. And a lot of people do it and they hold themselves to a massively high standard. You you might not think that you do are holding yourself to a massively high standard in terms of what you've just said. You just want to be present and, and the person you want to be. 
but there's something about if we get good with the bad stuff you know it, it's not really about you know anyone can enjoy the happy times that's easy isn't it we're all good yeah. but most of us aren't very good at coping with coping with disappointment sitting with shame sitting with guilt sitting with our feelings and the more that we could and that's kind of sometimes depression can be a bit of a blockage because we're so resistant and I want to be this person I want to be I want to be the friendly fun parent so I want I you know and but really if I'm not feeling like the friendly fun parent I'm creating that gapping and aren't I between the real me and the, the person on the outside more externally but if I can go I feel really guilty today about doing a really crap job of that. I re or I really can't be bothered to play with my kid today. That's not very nice, is it? No. I'm all right with it. That's okay. That's real feeling in me. I feel really ashamed that we've sat and spent too much time looking at screens when we could have been doing something. That, oh, yeah. You know, that shame, that is okay. I feel ashamed of that. I feel guilty about that. If I roll with the feeling and don't deny it and feel all right about it, it will move on and I'll move on to another bit and another bit of the day might be really lovely and I'll get to enjoy it. If I stay stuck in that, no, 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 I'm not that person. I'm this other person. You know, that's where our mood can really, because it drains our energy completely. We can't constantly be in a state of denial about what's really going on. Mm. And the more we get good with those sorts of things, the easier it is to do the other stuff. Um, is any of this making sense? Uh, absolutely, it's makes sense. And I'm, and I'm sure that there'll be people listening to this and they will be absolutely just nodding their head to everything <laughs> that you're saying. Um, it's, it's obvious that you, you, you know, you, you are good at what you do and you know what you're talking about. So what made you want to become a psychotherapist? What was, the, what was your pathway to this? Well, I'm going to tell you the truth about psychotherapists. They're all crazy. For a start. <laughs> okay. So when you go to your therapist and you're like, they're going to think I'm nuts if I tell them this. I promise you 100% they are the craziest people on earth. I don't care right. what anybody says. No okay. one would come to this profession if they haven't had stuff go on in their lives that has been really tough or they're not curious about other people. It's not about anyway I'm going to put that out there you'll probably get a thousand complaints and you'll be like never having her on again the therapy is up in arms we are not all crazy I don't care that's from my experience and I'm okay with that and I hope yeah. that as a reassurance when you sit in front of your therapist please god don't think that they're the perfect person because a hundred percent they are not um right. anyway so that's my little off my soapbox yeah opportunity um, what made me want to be a psychotherapist, like I said to you in our kind of email exchanges before, I've had really, really tough times in my life, like seriously, seriously tough times. Like, and I don't know how much detail to go into it on this podcast, because obviously I'm mindful that I have clients. Who yes. Yeah. So, but I think that I hope that they would know that I would be honest enough, should any of them ask me that question, I would give them an honest answer too. I've had moments in my life where I thought, what is the point? That's it. And where did I go? Who did I talk to? How did I make sense of that? How did I, where did I start? You know, and I thought, so I kind of began because I'd had a crap. I mean, the, the truth is that I'd had a really crap experience of going to a GP who basically said, pull yourself together. Right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm not sure that's really going to work. No. And um, 
And then I thought, I wonder how many other people went to that GP and they said, pull yourself together. And they went home and seriously thought, I'm going to hurt myself. Yeah, yeah. I don't really like the thought of that. Thankfully, I didn't. But um, who's to say, you know, people get into real, you know, tough spots, don't they? And you're putting your hands and your faith into the, in quotes, experts, aren't you? Yeah, and I mean, I don't even know what thought prompted me to go to the GP because there was not really, it's not like, I mean, it's slightly different now because we, we have a lot more information, a lot more outreach, a lot more kind of avenues to go down to kind of get information. But I, this is a particular time I was talking about when I was 23. And I don't even know what prompted me to go to the GP. I don't think I even knew that GPs would talk to you about that kind of thing. But I thought, well, where do you go when you're in trouble? I guess the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and and then I thought, oh, my God, you know, that's terrible that people are out there with no one. I really hate that idea. And that's really dangerous and not very helpful. And and then I thought, I really want to help other people who feel that way, because that's that's just not a way to be right. Anyway, I, I, I hardly know where to go with that thought, but I became I basically started off by becoming a mental health social worker which is going out seeing people who are really really in trouble in difficult circumstances which chimes with my belief that our political landscape our environment really affects us and Mm. our capacity to cope with stuff and again I wasn't in a position to pay for private therapy or get any help from anybody and that was really difficult so it's Becoming a social worker fitted with my kind of social justice right. values hat. Yeah. And I, yeah, anyway, essentially, I didn't want people to feel alone. And then when I was on my social work course, I came across Rogers and he talked about the non-medical way forward. You know, trust in the person, be a human being. Everyone's individual and unique. You know, meet them heart to heart. Mm. You, know, you have to be wearing a professional hat all the time and and you know, be the powerful one, you know, why can't we be powerful together? I felt like I had a lot of information from my experiences. Every client who comes to me has a whole history. What's, why should I be telling them what to do? Why can't we build a relationship where we go, go forward together? Yeah. Almost like comparing notes kind of thing. Yeah. So, and Rogers spoke to my heart and I thought I could probably do this, you know, and so that's when I trained to be a therapist. Wow. So if a psychotherapist needs therapy, where do they go? Well, <laughs> to another therapist, of course. Right. So how do you choose another therapist? I mean, because you're, you're, you're an expert in your field, but how do you choose one that you think you're going to get something out of? Because obviously, I'm not saying you're all fighting against each other for clients and stuff, but... Some people have different ways of doing things, I'm, I'm assuming. So how do you, if you need somebody to talk to, how do you work out who that person's going to be? There is one really quick answer to that. I follow my instincts. Right. I don't care. I, you know, I've had enough life experience to know if I get on with someone or not, or if someone is dangerous or not, which is another really important thing to kind of think about for some people. Um. I'm not particularly bothered, you know, as you can tell from my my discussion with you so far, qualifications are wonderful. That's great. But they're not particularly important to me. They're no. not really going to tell me who you are. Um, 
and I might I'd go to someone qualified because that seems a sensible option doesn't it they'll have had the training they'll have had the knowledge but I also want to I want to know them you know on a deeper level are you really going to connect with me and get me and if I talk to them and I get that from them from my gut I think this is someone I can really trust and talk to and tell about my most horrible and reasonable shameful crappy shitty <laughs> stuff then I'm probably going to do okay you know whatever I do with them is probably going to go all right um and of course there's other reasons but people can go to therapy for whatever reason they want I have no judgment about that if you go to therapy and you want strategies to cope with a tough time in your life that's fine you don't have to spend years in therapy exploring it if you want to spend years exploring your past talking about your past go for it do it why not if it helps you that's terrific you're the guide you know what you need and that should really be valued and trusted by whichever professional sits in front of you and treats you with respect and is interested and curious and cares right that's what I want I want to be cared about don't you absolutely absolutely so one uh one final question when it comes to things like somebody at home is thinking about getting therapy at what point I mean, would you would you wait until you're feeling depressed to go and get therapy, or would you use it as maybe you know, sort of think I'm feeling okay now, but I'm going to go and get therapy to try and stave off feeling depressed, or do you just let that happen anyway? What when's the best time to get therapy? Wow, great question. You know, I think again, totally individual decision. I think I I think it can be really hard to reach out for help when you're really at a low because it's so difficult to pick up the phone and tell someone that Mm. sometimes we can't even speak when we feel that low can't articulate anything we have no clue what we're doing can't think straight our like cognitive function is really messed up you know our motivation might be at a low so sometimes that's a really hard time but sometimes it's the perfect time because you just go I just want to talk to someone and I know that I need to do it people may well be tuned into that sense in them. Um, but I think, when is the right time for therapy? Have a, have a think about your own readiness for it. If you think, do I feel okay talking to someone at this moment in my life, then that's a good moment to do it because we don't always feel like we want to do that. Um, and there's lots of ways of accessing therapy now. It's not like it used to be like you sit in a room and you have to kind of be there for the the time mm-hmm. there's a lot it's a lot more kind of flexible and open I think so you can do walking therapy you can do online therapy so you might feel more comfortable if you're at home and you think I feel just about able to kind of open the laptop and talk to someone that feels like within my capacity um sometimes you might kind of reach out to someone and you just have a first sense and then you might stop and then not come back to it for a little while or you have therapy for a while, you have a great relationship going and lots of therapists will, if you finish and you're in a good place, if something happens and you want to come back or you hit another rough spot, they will see you for a few sessions where you can come back in. So it's not like the door is closed. That's it. I'm supposed to be well now forever for the rest of my life. That's really not very kind of logical, is it? So- no, no. It's not the kind of thing we think, oh, I'm done now. I've finished. It's, everything's perfect because it never, as we said, we've already said, nothing's perfect yeah and for me I guess now now I think um if I'm really avoiding something because there's things that I've struggled to talk about and it's going to take me a while to get to a point when I feel like I can and I think, yeah. think I can kind of face telling somebody that now then I'll pick up the phone and 
if I've worked with a therapist and I want to see them again, that's great. If I want to try something else, that's fine because there's lots of different things to go for if you've had something hasn't worked. So, yeah. Well, thank you very much for spending this time. I'll expect the bill uh, on an email. <laughs> It'll be coming. Don't worry. That's one of the things I never forget to do. I bet you don't. <laughs> um, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, though, Charlotte, what's the what's the best way of them to get in touch with you? Yeah, the best way is just to email me, charlottewhitetherapy at gmail.com. Charlotte White Therapy is all one word. And um, and sometimes if people meet with me and I'm not the right person for them, I'll point them in the direction of someone who I think can help or something that I think will be good. So it's not just about thinking I'm the be all and end all for people. I 100% don't. So, yeah, I hope that's helpful. That's wonderful. Well, thank you for spending some time with us. It's been it's been uh, enlightening and emotional as uh, as I'm sure every one of these bleeding episodes are going to be. <laughs> you got yourself in for? what have i got i know <laughs> whenever i start this they always seem like a good idea at the time uh before we go i gotta try and get used to doing these new emails and stuff so if you want to email uh, me it's bigblackbearpod at gmail.com we're on facebook and instagram at big black bear podcast and on x formerly known as twitter at big black bear pod um charlotte thank you ever so much once again um and and hopefully maybe come back on again and we can chat again and uh, you can charge me a second time. <laughs> Fantastic. I can't wait. I'll have the voice ready. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Thank you very much, everyone. And uh, bye, friends.